Welcome everyone to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 15th, 2016. We're going to talk football, we're going to talk basketball recruiting, and maybe even get into some uh, some thoughts on the big picture of, of hoops these days uh, as, as eagle-eyed observers of sports that we are um there's a lot to talk about in the in the sphere so maybe touch on that a little bit uh as a good uh you know off-season show but before we get going let's introduce everybody out in uh wait it's not waynesburg anymore it's uh ruckersville fishersville fishersville uh david spence is back on the podcast welcome back sir Thank you, Brad. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And Cavs Corner is also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in-game, in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, I miss in-game updates. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We need some in-game updates. Uh, yeah, I was kind of hoping, um, you know, that that the calendar would, you know, just randomly flip. But unfortunately, we haven't figured that out yet. Um, but you know what, though, it's it's middle of June. It, July will be here before we know it. Next thing you know, once July's here, you're like, all right, we're you know we're a few weeks away from from fall camp, and then we can start really talking about, um, you know, fun stuff again. But the sad truth is, we're not halfway between into spring and and the start of the season yet. Stop that. It, which is sad. Don't but. don't bring don't bring your facts and your and your realities <laughs> to the situation. So get out, spend some time with your family, so you can ignore <laughs> them throughout <laughs> August, September. Um, Interesting couple of weeks since the last time we did a show. Um, the football team has picked up a couple commitments, kind of. Uh, we'll talk about that. Basketball team, uh, a key target is off the board, but it top 100 season. There's lots of kids to watch and keep track of, and a couple of new offers actually went out today. We'll talk about those. Um, we'll hit that breaking news, uh, the breaking news sound in a second. But uh, let's start with uh, with football recruiting. So I think let's see, we didn't have one last week. We did one the week before. Um, was that? Did, did I think it? it was just you and Ferber. Okay, it was me and Ferber, and you, you guys, right? Because you were yeah. you had some obligation. I just didn't want to do it. That's okay. Um, oh, you know what? I should plug before we get started. Um, before we get started. So a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago now, I don't know when it was. I put a post on the board asking for people to come in and talk. You know, give me give me reasons why you should be on the podcast. I actually got some folks respond. Um, we're going to have uh, Tony Covington next week um, where we're going to have him. Um, the plan, at least, is to have Tony uh, kind of talk to us about some of the kids that um, are in Virginia's current class and kind of to break down some film or talk about, you know, projections and that kind of thing, which I think would be a, a, an interesting listen for folks. And then at some point down the road, we're going to bring out some other ones. Um, but I just wanted to tell, tell folks that that thing is still happening I uh, appreciate all of your submissions, and we will start to roll out those appearances uh, shortly. Okay, let's start talking about uh, football recruiting. So Virginia definitely picked up a commitment in Zachariah Burton, um, an intriguing prospect from Newcastle, Delaware, which we'll get into in a second. And they may or may not have picked up a commitment um, from Jamari Peacock, the the bruiser, three, three-star three running back from down in Florida. Um I guess the first let's start with Burton because he's the one we know is in the fold. He seems like an interesting addition to me because of of kind of his versatility. Um, I, I'm sure you have devoured his film because that's just the way you are. Uh, give me some thoughts on uh, on uh, on Zach Burton. He he's definitely an athlete. He's got great hips for his size, and 
um, God, I sound like there for a second. Um, it's, but you know, it's not to get too far off of him, but it's pretty clear what our staff looks for in defensive backs. Like they want size, um, and athleticism. And I don't think they really care if you're, you know, if that's your main position, um, clearly they've got confidence in their ability to coach the secondary with, you know, Bronco and, and Nick it's, but burden himself. I mean, he, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely a plus athlete and, you know, six feet. And he looks every bit of six foot. I haven't seen him in person, but, um, yeah, I, I just like the fact that we've got a staff that knows what they're identifying. They you know, know what they're looking for. They don't waste any time putting offers out when they see them. Um, and it seems like with Burton, that made a big difference because it was only a few days between offer and commitment, if I remember correctly. It was a yeah, it was a few weeks, but I mean, still, yeah. I mean, it's not you know, it wasn't like they've been they don't been on for months and months and months. You make a good point about the staff not really seeming to care too much about if a guy has a significant amount of experience at a position. Um, the more fascinating one to me in terms of position is the fact that John Curvin was committed as a tight end. After some conversations, he decided to to open it up, and now they've offered him a defensive end. Which to me, I, I you know, I, I don't think I think you said the same thing. It would be a first, um, you know, since since we started following recruiting, definitely would be a first for me in terms of since I've been with the site, have a kid who uh, committed, decommitted, and then came back as, as another position. But I, I think you're right. I think they do seem to think, all right, there's a there's a there's a there's a profile that we're looking for. And we can teach you the rest, but if 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 defensive back isn't your main position, we don't we don't really care. And I think that we've seen several times this year, well, in some of the 2016 kids too. But like they, if if you want to be recruited a position, that's fine. But they're going to recruit you at the position that they think you fit, and they're not gonna they're not gonna just tell you, Virginia Tech, they're not gonna tell you that you're gonna be at a spot and then just change you once you get to. To, to to Charlottesville, like they're gonna they're gonna recruit you for the position they think that you're gonna fit with. So Burton, I think, is an interesting pull at cornerback, but he's got a lot of versatility. Um, has a, obviously a lot of flexibility. Played a bunch of positions. Um, I love the quote he's, he had. He told Brandon, um, or I me, mean, excuse me, told Drew that uh, he he didn't want to leave. It was a two day visit, and he just didn't want to go. He didn't want to leave. Um, to me, that that part is that's that's the kind of vibe that you should be getting from every kid who picks your school. Like they should love it so much that they, they like can't. I, just the idea of going in, leaving it is is just too hard. Um, so for me, that's the. Maybe not necessarily the most re- well recruited kid, but at the same time, you watch his film. There's a lot to like, and certainly he fits whatever uh, that mold is that the staff is is really looking for. Um, the other, obviously, I, I can't really call him a commitment. The other s- situation, the other recruitment, there we go. The other recruitment that we touched on this weekend was um, Jamari Peacock, who has been a kid at Virginia t- t- top of the board for you know it, for a while. He's been one of their top targets. Mark Atawaya made a couple of trips uh, to see him, which I was kind of fascinated by. The second one, he took Robert and I with him. Um, you know, Virginia obviously losing Trey Harbison now, trying to get that big back to to complement other guys. You know, it's Virginia's depth at that position right now is probably pretty is pretty strong, but they, they need some stuff in the pipeline. And it certainly seems like this is a class where they want to go with multiple options. Um, Peacock took the visit to Virginia. He actually competed in camp, which I kind of honestly I thought was fascinating because here's a guy who has had his offer for months. He's 
easily. I mean, you know, coaches showing up week, you know, multiple times in the spring. It's he he doesn't have anything to prove. So, you know, he actually took part in the camp, which, I, like I said, I think I thought that was that was pretty telling for a staff that wants you know all about you know earn not given. That was a I think a a really telltale moment. But um, he he puts out a tweet, and I'm. I, I I know how that dumb that might sound to other old people, but whatever. <laughs> he puts out a tweet that's like, "Who's rising 17? Um, and with the with some emoji for for UVA. And then there were some other there was some other stuff that we saw uh, from the coaches that made it seem like this is the thing. Um, so we reach out to him, and he says, "I'm not saying anything publicly right now." You can kind of tell from his from his quotes in that story we ran today, though that. This this one this one is going to happen. The question is whether or not it sticks, and I think that's the thing um, that most people who and I'm I'm going to ask you about it in a second, Dave. But I think most people, most fans who follow recruiting, whenever there's a situation like this where there's a there's a wait to make anything public or official, uh, it gives people a little heartburn. Does this give you heartburn? Uh, and if so, uh, why? And and what's your what's your mindset on on this one as a fan? I mean, it doesn't give me heartburn. I think you'd much rather be on the end of having the commitment and having to hold on to them versus not having it. So, I mean, there's there's worse worse things. Um, I mean, it's not surprising. My guess is if Virginia, you know, you know, if Virginia shows on the field what he what you know shows improvement on the field and uses and he likes what he sees in the offense and and kind of and this is totally speculation, but I'm guessing if he kind of sees what they've been telling him about. You know, it becomes a little bit easier for him because you know, if he's coming in December, he's still got the season to watch before he has to really make a make a decision. Um, I mean, it gives it's running back. I think he's great, and you know, his film, you know, him in the him in the big back position in this offense could be really good. So, I would love to have him, and I think it will certainly. I don't think we're really using Harbison in that big back role as much as we use Peacock, um, but. You know, he certainly would help ease the the pain of losing Harbison. Um, you know, I try not to get too much heartburn <laughs> over <laughs> well, football anymore. Well, I've done that for many years. <laughs> it's one of those things where you can get yourself on self spook real quick, real quickly. I mean, it's like here's a perfect situation. What you really want is you want a kid from Florida to come up, love your school, want to tell everybody and and whatnot. And I'll, I'll caution this: just because a kid doesn't say publicly what you want him to say when you want him to say it doesn't mean he's not with you. For example, I think I've told the story on the podcast. I don't know. Mamadi Dikite, we all waited until it became official, official, but UVA had known for months and months. Um, and that makes a little bit more sense when it comes to maybe some of the reasons why they have they never moved on. Um, but also, too, like the kids knew. I mean, they all knew. Um now, whether they ever said anything publicly or not, that that that's not the point. So I think that when you have a kid in recruiting in general, my general my, my rule of thumb is always this: let the the recruit decides when he is done. Okay, he he decides when it goes public, and I'm never if I know something, I'm never going to go against a kid who wants to you know wait to announce anything or or maybe in in his case you know maybe he wants to take a visit or something before he announces that's his prerogative it's his recruitment it's up to him to make the decision you know we we saw that first tweet and like to you know that kind of stuff to me says all right this is what it is and of course once we you know 
heard that from him, we 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 slowed it down. Um, so I, I kind of feel like for a lot of fans, the kid who wants to uh, kind of announce on his own ter- terms or what have you in his own time frame, it it feels like frustration. But I I just think you have to let it, you have to let a kid go through his process the way he wants to. And a kid like Peacock is worth it. I mean, that ki- you're right, Dave. I mean, that kid would be perfect in this offense. And and I think that when you watch his film, you see a guy who delivers blows. I mean, he's he's a load, man. Um, I think I think we did move him to um, to be rated as a fullback, but realistically, he's a running back. Uh, he's just a big running back. And what he could do in this offense, especially with that tempo, is is pretty pretty stellar. And he's a nice, perfect. I mean, just a really a perfect complement to both Lamont Atkins as well as some of the other running backs uh, that Virginia's recruiting right now. Yeah, and we keep talking about, you know, we've got a lot of depth at running back, but you continue to see running back offer after running back offer go out. And I think we've mentioned it before, but keep in mind the pace we're going to be playing at now. You know, if you, you know, in the old, the previous regime running running a play only when the play clock kind of forced us to, um, you know, your plays per game, and especially your rest time was much higher. I think you're going to see you know, you'll probably play four to six running backs in a game, especially you know if your offense is clicking and you're running plays. So it's gonna you need depth and you need playable depth, um, and especially you know good teams have that. I mean, Alabama keeps losing players, and boom, they got someone else. And back in our glory days, I mean, Tiki Barber got injured in a bowl game, and this Thomas Jones kid came in. I mean, you've got to have playable depth, and you can never have too much at the running back position. Um, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if something happened with Peacock. We're certainly going after, you know, we'd probably go after another big back, obviously. But they also offered the the PK Kier uh, kid at running back as well. So that you know, if we got all three of those, that that's three running backs in the first class. So certainly the staff, you know, realizes the importance of having quality and quantity back there. That's a good point. Um, let's uh, one one other football. Um I guess related thing um, is I, I we have we've talked a lot about um, you know the, the the transfer quarterbacks and and stuff that have come in. Um, we haven't really touched on much of the the kind of the goings out. You know, we obviously we talked about Harbison. Um, a couple of names that got added to that list. Um, the last, you know, in terms of you know, rumors and things like that, the last, you know, couple weeks, Darius Carter, the defensive end, uh, going to land at JMU. Um, that's a that's a situation that was was tough because the word in the spring when he wasn't on the roster and he wasn't out there was that you know he had a chance to come back, but I never got a clear indication as to whether or not it was grades or disciplinary or what have you. But he, for a position that Virginia was was going to be thin thin at already, you know, for him to. Um, to be in that spot and then ultimately to transfer out was 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 tough because it's it, he was a player I was really excited to see, um, you know, play. Yeah, we brought um, his name up several times in in previous podcasts. Yeah, too. he yeah, seemed. I think I seemed, talked about seeing him on the field. Yeah, he seemed yeah, really primed for um, to be a potential contributor just based off of what we've seen of him in practice. So that one I think is a tough blow, but also not necessarily an unexpected one. Um, adding uh, Jack Powers uh, I think helps out a lot in terms of depth. Um, for them at end. Um, the other one that I've heard about, uh, offensive lineman Eric Tetlow, I'm not real sure yet as to whether or not he is giving up football or if he is going to transfer or not. I, mean, I know he was, he's basically been injured the kind of the entire time that he's been there. Um, 
maybe maybe he is injured and he'll come back. I'm not sure, but that was another one that I uh, that I had heard about that seemed relatively, um, you know, I don't want to say expected, but but you know, it just kind of seemed like all right, maybe maybe the injury bug is is just never going to let him uh, never going to let him settle in. Um, so I don't know if either one of those changes anything dramatically, but it definitely. I definitely think that it goes along with transition. I mean, that's just – I think you fans have to expect that to be the case, not just through the first part – you know, the summer here, but maybe even the first season. Um, you know, you, you, guys that have been through spring, you, you hope they have a good enough, you know, sort of feel for what it's going to be, right, that they they understand it and that they're ready for it. But – you know, sometimes once you go through a season, you have a better, you know, much better idea. So I think that in terms of attrition, there could be some more, but we'll have to wait and kind of uh, let play that one by ear. Let's see. Uh, anything else on the on the football front before we switch to hoops? Not right now. Let's just let's get to August. Goodness yeah. gracious, <laughs> it'll be here. It'll be here before we. Yeah, know. it will be. Um, I, I saw. I uh, was it Athlon that had Quinn at. Second team, all ACC preseason. I'm like, man, oh. whatever. <laughs> that I just, I just, I can't, I can't about. I just can't chill with that. All right, hoops. Um, so Chris likes decides that he's going to commit to Miami. Um, little bit of a surprise in terms of not necessarily that he picked Miami, but more of a surprise that it came when it did. It, on, the, on the heels of the visit, I just, I just thought that. This, the further they got away from the visit, the less likely it was that he would he would commit. And then he, you know, he they UVA was trying to bring him in for a visit on Monday, and then of course that's you know about the same time frame when he decided to commit. And and I think for it was interesting to watch some of the reaction on the board because I thought that people like I think we're we're all wired to think like once your team loses loses a recruit, you're supposed to be upset. And I'm not saying necessarily that folks shouldn't be upset, but at the same time, I'm not saying you should either. Does that make sense? Like, it it seems like one of those where Virginia really liked him, but I don't get the sense that you know it's a it's a devastating kind of kind of decision. I mean, this is not um, you know I would almost liken it to uh, um, Sam Hauser picking. Um, Marquette, Marquette, when he did, um, you know, kind of seemed like Virginia was kind of in a really good spot, and um, certainly with you know them recruiting his younger brother Joey as well, and then boom, he was off, he was off the board of Marquette. I, I think that 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 there are so limited, there's such a limited pool of of recruits in 17 that I think folks are really, and I, and I, I probably I probably added to that because I went to EYBL and you know <laughs> live updated the crap out of his games. That Saturday, but um, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts here? What do you did, were, did you did the the worry the the hand ringing kick in? What 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 was your? I'm was so your disappointed. There's no hand ringing going on right now. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with athletic department right now. Um, I mean, that 2017 scholarship. So, you know, look, there's a good chance we might end up with one more than one opening. You know, not based on inside information, but you know, there's a lot of bodies and only so many minutes to go around and you know you have the potential of Nichols having a breakout year and going pro after a year I mean or anyone on the roster for that matter um so you know it's likely he could end up with more than one spot for next year but you know I liked like game and, and the you know based on what you were talking about and what I've seen 
seen a little bit of video I could find on him. Um, and I, you know, I certainly think a point guard with that kind of you know, ability to create his own shot is something you know, we will be lack, lacking on the roster um, going forward. But at the same time, you look at what's there, and if you know, if Todd Jerome continues to hill, he's got that in his game. Maybe not at the athleticism and you know speed level of likes, but there's so much that could play out on the court this year. You know, as much as you'd like to to get a player that quality, you almost are better off. <laughs> you know, if you can get him, great. If you can't, they just kind of let see see what happens. You know, you got Porter out there, even though you know, Washington is going to be hard to overcome. Um, you know, I, you know, I think look, I don't think anyone here would take likes over Porter if you told if you had to choose one or the other. Um, but you know, it's just so many, so much young, young, so many young players on the roster. Now it's going to be interesting to see what develops, what they bring to the, to the table. You know, you got Darius Thompson. Can he develop good enough to be a stopgap to let you to look at 2018 point guards and concentrate on a, on a, another player kind of, you know, best all around fit or best all around player or, you know, or, or another athletic wing or another big to fill, if you know if Nichols is leaving, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of flexibility in that scholarship, um, and a lot of that has to do with the quality class coming in this year. Um, so it's yeah, I like likes game a lot, and I guarantee you when we play Miami, we're going to wish we had him. Um, but you know, it's a lot of a lot of basketball between now and when that scholarship will be on the court. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, let me. I don't know if I've done a, a good enough job. I know I've posted a bunch this week, but about, I kind of feel here. Here are my feelings on likes. It, perfect fit for seventeen for UVA in terms of what they needed, what they didn't have on the roster, skill set, all of it. The, the thing that I loved most about his game, and and the thing that's going to drive you crazy when you watch him play for for Tilday down in uh, down in Miami, is going to be the fact that the kid is just a bucket getter. Like he. He doesn't need you to run an elaborate offense. He he he's just he's got a knack. It's not even like he's got a huge first step or he's you know got a killer crossover or something like. That. I mean, the kid just has a knack. Just has a way of getting space and getting into the lane and getting going to get you a bucket. He's he's good finishing at the rim, but he's also really good in, in that in that little bit. It's like that 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 mid that that it's not a jump shot, but it's not a layup. It's that thing between mid range and a layup. He's got just just an ability, and he's tough. He's so freaking tough. And I'm I, I know I'm supposed to be talking to you about a kid Virginia didn't get, so I'm not trying to build him up, you know, to break your heart even more. My point is that he was a perfect fit for them. But at the same time, like he wasn't going to play significant minutes for a while. All right, and I think that when you look at UVA's roster, there there are three big things, okay, that I think comes can can through trains that kind of converge here. One is that when you look at the roster, there just aren't clear minutes at that position yet. Um, heck, we're talking about Ty Jerome possibly redshirting coming off the hip surgery simply because there just aren't any real clear minutes, right? That situation isn't going to clear up. Okay, that's that's thing number one. Thing number two is that Virginia really feels great about where they are with point guards and guards in general in the 2018 class. Um, you know, I, 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 I know I'm famous for telling you that Tone doesn't really think of uh, recruiting. And, and like, I, I know some of these posts about, you know, like we, we, we didn't get our Tony's top guy or anything like that. He doesn't think about recruiting like that often. Like he, once he offers, he's fine if they get him, but he also understands he might not. 
he doesn't look at it from like a like a ranking basis almost like that's just not the way that I always hear about it. Um, but the but the piece that's interesting is is that they do really love. There are several kids in eighteen that they really really love. Uh, Brandon Williams, who is the guard from Crespi out in, in Los Angeles, same high school that produced London Perantis, uh, he picked up an offer today from UVA, which was interesting to me in the sense that I had heard what a week ago this was in the war that, that basically UVA wanted to see him a little bit more, was loved his game, but want, just needed to see him a little bit more in person before they pulled the trigger on the offer. That they go went ahead and did it now, I thought was was pretty telling. Um, the other thing to me with with that is that Javon Quinterly, who was at top 100 camp, um, that's a kid that they really, really love. They love Darius Garland. They love Brandon Williams. But, man, Quinterly seems to be the guy that I can't – like nobody will stop talking about. And so what they know they need to get in 18 is impacting a little bit in 17. And then I think that's the third thing, which is that they just don't have a clear-cut – Need. I mean, you're trying to find something that fits that you know you don't already have, but at the same time, it's not something that you act. You know, you're not looking and saying, you know what, we've got to find a big man who can block shots. Like nobody, no, there's nothing in 17 that you actually absolutely have to have right away. You know, even though you have a point guard graduating, you don't necessarily need to fill that spot with a point guard because of what you got coming. You know, in terms of of, of the projected roster going forward. My, I, like I've said before, I think this is the perfect year for UVA to be involved with a kid like Porter. Because if the worst-case scenario is, is that the number two player in the country gives you a long look, takes a visit or whatever, and then decides to play for his dad and his godfather at Washington for a year before going to the pros and being a top-five NBA pick. Hey, you're, you played with house money the whole time. Just go get your transfer, balance out the classes, and you're in a really good spot. So to me, the, the loss of likes is tough, but at the same time it's not because Virginia's – Kind of, like I said, playing house money. I mean, that's just that's kind of the way I, I think that they they have to look at it, and and I think fans should probably follow suit. Yeah, and you, if you take that whole Porter thing, like, I mean, you add Porter. Let's assume everyone on the roster four seventeen kind of becomes what we think they are, and you add that Porter piece, like the, our potential. Like that's a that's a net cutting down quality team. With likes, it's a very good team, but I don't know if you'd say it's a net cutting down team. Yeah, a favorite to do it with Porter, I think you are. So it's kind of a just because there's not a lot of Porters out there, you know. That's he's a matchup nightmare. And then if you've got Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and you know Jay Huff and you know everyone else just standing around the perimeter waiting to clean up, um, that's a you know that's a Duke Kentucky level roster. Um, so it. It's a it's a intriguing gamble. Um, that said, if likes had committed, I've been telling you the same thing the other way around. So that's what we do as fans. Um, the other, I guess, the other kind of storyline for me in terms of basketball recruiting that we're going to have to you know watch are, are some of these kids at top one hundred. Um, some of the updates. It's funny the the names that that we dropped on the board earlier are the names coming out already today about who had great days. Zion Williamson. Um, is I mentioned I don't know if it was in the war room or in the post today about the kids we we were going to track at top 100, but I said something about his recruitment going to blow up and it's going to blow up. I mean he was he second or third on the first day in scoring at the camp, um, which this is you know this camp is interesting. It brings together a lot of top talent, but it throws them together in weird ways, and so you never can really you can never really tell too much about. Uh, two things: one, wins and losses. Like if you make, if a kid makes it to the to the finals or whatever the playoffs this weekend, that's great. But it's, 
it's not it doesn't really tell you much because like these kids some of these kids are just i mean they just aren't good fits to play together um that doesn't have anything to do with how good they might play in another in a college system um the other thing that's a little weird um about this camp because of that is the scoring like sometimes you have guys just getting garbage buckets on teams that are getting blown out and so i i don't necessarily put as much into stats uh, at top 100 as some people do uh, i think they're worth mentioning but that's about as far as you want to go um unless a kid is just killing it from three i think that's obviously a skill that um, i think we're, we're going to talk about in a second but overall i think a kid like him quinterly uh dotson Grimes, these kids are going to be names that you're going to hear more often, and that's a. This is about that time when rubber started to meet the road before the fall of the year that twenty all this the, the you know the 2016 kids started to pop. Um, so I think that I would say get acquainted with some of the the hoop stories that we're going to be rolling out um, soon because a lot of these names you know aside from the guys that you've already heard about in the 2018 class, um, I think these are going to be guys you're gonna you're gonna want to uh, get to know. In a, in a very real way. Um, I, I do want to touch on, before we wrap up, I do want to touch on um, something that <laughs> that Dave just kind of tossed out earlier. Um, what did you What did you say? How did you word it, Dave? Is uh, his basketball changed forever it. or something like that? I'm um, so thrown off by the Luke Bryan discussion. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Are we, do we need to talk about that? No, we don't need to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, that's where Ferber is tonight. He's not. <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah. <laughs> He's not really at a Luke Bryan concert, though that did happen once. Um, but anyway, um, so those of us who have been watching the NBA Finals or who have been watching the, the Golden State Warriors for the past two seasons really just kind of put the game of basketball um, on its head a little bit. Uh, it, it's a little fascinating to me. I, so, the, so, the, so the Warriors hit 17 threes, I think I'm saying this right, in game six of the Western Conference Finals. But like the nineteen eighty whatever it was between the Celtics and somebody, uh, they only they only made like fifteen as, a, as both teams combined all all series long. Now, granted, that might not be a representative number of everything, but it just does seem like basketball has is has, has really started. I mean, in in a, ra- in a in a very rapid way to change dramatically, and so I think we, we you know we talked about. After last year's Golden State run, that that UVA kind of took notice of that that they played small at times that they, you know, were more perimeter oriented like they they weren't, you know, traditional in really any sense. And I think that one of the one of the things I'm looking forward to about this season, when they're not just relying on Malcolm so much, is now that you have shooters, a little you know some some more weapons when you've got. Um, guys who you can spread out a little bit. What does that what does that mean? You know, you've got a point guard who you could not trust more with the ball, right? So could they run a little bit more, that kind of thing? I think we've we've talked about that in the past. But when I watch the impact, or when I think about what I'm seeing from Golden State and when I when I think about the potential impact, I think you might be right that the game has changed as long as kids with kids who are still big and and, and long continue to shoot it well. Um I, to me, I don't know if I, I can't tell you it's a bad thing, because I think in some ways it's good because it's it it it, it is challenging people to be good at doing something that is hard, which is shooting a shot from a long way away. And a lot of these a lot of these dudes, I mean, they're automatic almost. But at the same time, I worry that like we're 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 basically telling kids as they grow up, hey, just start chucking shots. 
You know, just just start pulling. I mean, the fact that Clay and 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 Steph can do that is because they're so good at it. But man, you can't do that when you're just like, you know, twelve years old in, a, in an AAU game. You can't do. You know what I'm saying? Like, at some level, you just can't start pulling up from the half court. I mean, you have to try to get a better shot. And I think that's the that's the the risk that we run having, you know, kind of living in this era. What do you, what do you think about this whole thing? Yeah, I mean. I keep finding myself thinking about it every night, every time I watch them play because I enjoy watching them play. But they also, like, a, as a old like purist, you know, I, I love ball movement. I love the good, you know, multiple screens to get a guy open. You know, reverse action, fake action. I mean, I love all that stuff. And Golden State does it. Don't get me wrong, but they also will come down and just you know slip a screen and shoot a three. And it's it's horrible offense, but they're so good at it. There's literally nothing you can do. Like, there's no way you can go out and cover that. Yeah, because, you're just hoping they miss. Yeah, I mean, there is absolutely nothing you can do. So it erases everything. Now, let's not act like you know Steph and, and Clay are just you know, your average shooter, and they're just shooting more volume than anyone else. They're elite shooters. I mean, I mean, what Steph doubled Larry Bird's best season this year, um, right? Shooting at three now. Obviously, they're shooting it more, but what it does when you, when you've got guys who can shoot that well, a coach who is willing to let them do it, um, and a league that isn't caught up, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to defend. It's hard to do anything with now. Granted, Cleveland's won a couple games here and Oklahoma city took them to the wire, but Oklahoma city took them to the wire. Cause they got a guy who can do it too. Right. Um, right. And then an absolute freakish athlete in Russell Westbrook who right. can shoot the three well enough to make you respect it. Um, I kept, I don't know if I ever texted you guys this or not, but I kept thinking watching watching this series that literally like Uber athletic three man who is a subpar three point shooter. You know, because say that one more time. I think you may have cut out. Say that you again. can't build your. I was saying like that that Uber athletic three man who can you know who can jump out of the building, but he can't shoot the three more than. 20, 30%. And, right. You know, LeBron might be the outlier here, but um, that guy, every team's got three of them on the bench. They're essentially, right. they're the NFL running back. That's true. You know, yeah. Um, you know, Golden State's got Iguodala. They pull off, pull off the bench, who in many games in the series has done a, a absolute job of neutralizing LeBron, especially when LeBron's not hitting the jump shot because he's too, you can't be one dimensional anymore. And especially, if you're driving and getting contested and shooting 66% from two and they're shooting 50% from three, you're going to lose all day. Um, so it's, I think my text was, you know, has basketball changed forever? It's, you can go to youth league games now. They're shooting threes like crazy. Um, and it eventually it'll change, but you would think what it has to, what will have to happen for it to, to really change is you need another shack, but a shack who can shoot free throws um, so that they don't follow them and neutralize the whole. Right whole abundance but the problem is you go to you go to most camps you go to a lot more camps than i would obviously the seven footers now they're they're more interested in dribbling the ball and shooting the three well, you know what's funny up. You, you say that you said that a second ago about you know you kids are jacking up shots and i was thinking back to watching the, the eybl in hampton and what's funny is that i don't remember actually a lot of kids just jacking up threes what i do remember is that you that 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 nowadays basketball is a six foot six and up league and what I mean by that is, is that basically you're just looking for a bunch of dudes with links who can basically be guards and forwards at the same time, right? 
And what I remember most from watching uh, UIBL, uh, you know, because I mean, obviously, I'm focused on the UVA targets, but it's you, you can't w- help but but notice guys like Michael Porter before he rolled his ankle, uh, and DeAndre Ayton. And like DeAndre is seven feet tall, and he's not like he's not Carl Anthony Towns, but he is something unique in the sense that he's not he's not a guard, but he he's not afraid to pass. He's got really good vision, good hands. I mean, he's a monster inside, but he can he can really get down the floor. But he's a big dude. Like most of the guys who are that tall who can run are skinny. He's not that. He's he's a man. Um, and I wonder. I, I I watched him and I was thinking, you know what? This is the kind of thing. This is the that evolution we're talking about, which is like it used to be. You, you had a big man and everything kind of worked around him, right? Just like in the NFL, running backs were the key, whatever. But now, it, both the college and pro level, if you have a bunch of guys who have length, who can play defense and shoot it, I mean, I think that was Virginia's basically fatal flaw for the past couple seasons and why they probably didn't go deeper is because they just couldn't consistently hit the outshot shot enough. The thing that, that stymies LeBron is that teams take away the middle of the floor, right? That basically they put somebody athletic on him, make him work, and then every, everything kind of chokes to the middle. So he's got... To, he's got to have guys around him who can make shots so that they, they have to respect the, the, the cross-court pass, and that allows him to get the space he needs. A team like Virginia that didn't have te- players that could really stretch the floor, teams with satellite, right? And the, what hap- when, when did things change? When Joe Harris was going crazy, when Justin Anderson all of a sudden started shooting the three-ball well, and when Malcolm Brogdon did the same thing? The good thing that I think that this roster has to kind of meet this kind of new age basketball is that it doesn't have a plodding big man. You can't have a guy out there in this day and age that can't cover space, especially if you're going to play a pack line defense. And I think that was Virginia's problem last year. Is they just didn't have that Darion Akeel guy. And and maybe, you know, it's funny. When, when Akeel left, we all thought, oh, you know, they've got Darion. They're going to be okay. And then when Darion left, you're like, you know what? you got to figure out – what what's next after him, um, and and I I I remember thinking that it was it was specific to you know those guys. And really, it's that type of player. You know, Virginia didn't have that. And if you think about it, Draymond Green changes everything for Golden State. And I think Virginia is a team that has has now has shooters. The thing that they're looking for is that guy in the middle who can do a bunch of different things. Not just hit the three occasionally, but also stretch a defense out just because of, of his ability to drive, just for, because he can do different things. And that's the piece. As much as I, as much as I think that the three-point shot changes the, the college and pro game and continues to because it's such a, you know, because bigger guys are starting to shoot it well. I mean, you know, Isaiah Wilkins is probably going to come back this fall when, when, the, when the season opens. He's probably going to come back and, and, and show you a little bit more range. I, th- I would not be shocked to see that. But I think that for Virginia, for the roster that they have, it's, it's definitely better suited for this type of, of game. I mean, a Kyle guy I think is going to be a real, uh, a real fun kid to watch play, especially because of the things he's going to be able to do in this, this realm. I mean, he's going to be able to get you uh, – you know, he's going to be instant offense just to add water. Um, when you've got guys like him who can stretch the floor, when you have a kid like DeAndre Hunter, who once he's uh, – when Mike Curtis has a chance to work with him, I think DeAndre is going to be scary, scary good. He's one of those kids that was a really good guard and then grew up. And even though he has length, he's still, he's still basically in a guard's body. Um, it's just longer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a good bounce. I think he's a, a very good athlete. Um, so the thing I think Virginia has to, to you know, to, to kind of catch on to this wave, they're, they're there. It's the it's that piece of having the guy in the middle. I think that's that's the that's the what's the old adage? Um, you know, that's the the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah. Um, although who stirs drinks with straws? Is that really the same? <laughs> anyway, I just yeah. Kinda, I mean, essentially, you know, that elite three point shooter is the go back to this NFL reference because I like it. Um, you know, the elite three point shooter is is the quarterback. You, you got to have one, um, but you know that that versatile guard the two, three, four guy, and that's what you know. I think that's what Draymond is, and that's what Akil and Darion even were for us. You know, when you get when you get switched and you're on the two, those guys can guard them. Um, they may not have the quickness, but they had the length to recover. Um, you know that that's what Draymond Green brings for him. That, that's certainly that's the that's the defensive end right there. You know, you got to have got to be able to rush the passer with that guy. Um, so I mean, it's just interesting. It's what I don't not to get off, get off topic here, but it drives me crazy watching Cleveland play when when Golden State gets on these, and you know it tends to be three or four minutes every game where they get super hot and they put you away. Why why Cleveland or anyone else just doesn't start following Bogut or Zeely or whoever the second they hit two shots in a row, two threes in a row, like you should go hack a, like just hack until they get cold off. <laughs> well, uh, Even right. if he makes both, you're winning. You mentioned a second ago. I just, I just, this hit my brain, and I realized that this is the perfect. This is the only place I could really talk about it in a podcast because, some finally somebody said this, and it, and and I wanted somebody to say it. Okay, so you mentioned before Shaq, but somebody who could shoot free throws. Yeah. Now I was listening. I don't know if anybody out there listens to a lot of podcasts other than this one, but I was listening to the, to Bill Simmons's podcast, and he had Malcolm Gladwell on, who is a writer that I really enjoy. Okay, Malcolm Gladwell was making the point that. Why doesn't why don't more people shoot free throws differently? Why if you were a twenty five percent free throw if you were if you were DeAndre Jordan why are you shooting free throws the way that you've always tried and failed to shoot them? Why wouldn't you try the granny shot, right? Yeah. And he made the point that during Wilt Chamberlain's best season, right, he was shooting the free throw that way, and he made like you know twenty eight or thirty two at the line in the in the hundred point game, and he mentioned Chinanu Onawaku even though they couldn't say his name, which I kind of enjoyed. Um, and there was another kid who I can't remember. Who those were the only two kids in college basketball this year who were shooting the granny shot, and and I started thinking about. It and I was like, man, like why don't more people do that? Like why don't more big men? And I was like, that, that's something that's always bugged me. Is like how if you are if you I think this is one of those things that just normal people just can't understand. Like if you know you're bad at free throw shooting and you know you're going to shoot free throws, why do you not improve? You know, like it just seems yeah. like one of those skills that you'll be, you know, because at some point you tried to you tried to lay up with the offhand and it didn't work. So what did you do? You went to the lab and you worked on it and you got it so that your offhand wasn't going to kill you anymore. You should be able to do that free throw shooting too. Um, but I just now, thought it was easily switch from right to left, right? I think or left to right. I think he, it was he left, did switch hands. I think left it was to easy. right. Yeah. But, but like yeah. that's but even that but even but even that like that's really just you shooting. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Do something different. Like if you if you walked up and said, you know what, I can't shoot free throws worth a lick. I'm gonna start shooting granny shots. Yeah, it's the world laughing at you. That that sucks. But I get that. But like, what if you if you could raise your percentage points by twenty five or thirty? I mean, think about what a weapon you would be. You would you, how much money you would make. I know. If you were yeah, that- a really good, if like if, if DeAndre Jordan, who makes a, a killing anyway, but if he could shoot free throws, he's a completely he's a top twenty five player. Yeah. You know, ever. I mean, I'm, that's what he kind of talent he has everywhere else. But the thing is, is that you can't keep him on the floor, 
right? Because everybody's gonna foul him. So if he if he this off season if he just started shooting granny shots I, and and it would be the craziest thing because I would feel like I, some kind of soothsayer. But like it would just to me, I just think it would be it is it boggles my mind when guys struggle shooting free throws. Like free throws are the easiest thing. You know exactly where it's gonna happen. You know exactly what the conditions are gonna be. You're able to and you're able to do it in your gym constantly like you're able to just sit there and just do nothing but shoot free throws and you could do that for the entire summer you know what i mean like it's a repetition malcolm brogdon always said that it's it's muscle memory that realistically when you shoot free throws you're not even trying you're just you're just doing um so i i don't know that's that's my my free yeah, throw rant say, for the evening if Shaq didn't do that i mean Shaq was the perfect guy to do that because he not only because he was a horrible free throw shooter and had plenty of opportunities to shoot free throws, but he—if there's one dominant NBA player who's had the like the ego that allowed him to laugh at himself that that's what he has to do and to become good at it—he was the guy. Like, you know, he wouldn't care if you joked on him for shooting granny shots. He'd he'd make them and then he'd dunk all over you the next time. Um, the fact that he didn't, you know, makes me makes me wonder if it'll ever happen because most, you know, DeAndre. God, God, he needs to. He's horrible. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. But yeah, it's you know, it's. I know there. Adam Silver kind of mentioned getting rid of that, tweaking that rule so that you couldn't couldn't foul people. Yeah, but, I just think know. that it's it's just like it's like at the end of the game. You know, you foul a team at the end of the game because you're trying to to you're trying to um, you're, you're trying to lengthen it, right? You're just trying to to try to put the guy other team on the line, make them make miss some shots, whatever. But like, technically, isn't that the essence of an of an intentional foul like is like if has there ever been a more intentional foul than when you're trying to get the ball back and you foul on purpose like by definition it is an intentional foul and i always worry like if we start messing with rules and stuff like like what would you even do at the end of a game i mean you're just trying to steal and the thing just ends it would just be weird game over you know i think that would that would de-emphasize free throw shooting to such a degree if they decided like late in games, okay, well now you can't foul. So it's a slippery slope. Like if you're saying you can't I mean like you, you can't foul a guy away from the ball, I think the only thing you can do is you can you can give referees latitude to decide. Or, as I've gone on rants before on this very podcast, you could have somebody who I don't know is watching the game from the bench, I mean from the from the scorer's table and says, Yeah, no, no, he's he flopped. Let's go. Like, yeah. I just, when are we going to do, like, we got to do something because there's just too much nonsense happening that just gets either, oh, well, that, that's the call they made, even though it was clearly wrong. And, I mean, the guy is sitting there with, like, three TVs. Like, just just watch the game. Like, yeah. just have a person who is, oh, God, I can feel myself. As long as it's not Steve Javi who evidently can't <laughs> look at the screen to get anything right. Yeah, poor, those, that's one of those positions, like, if, 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 uh, if one of those companies called me and said, hey, Brad, we won't put you on. This is a lie. I would totally do it. Um, hey, Brad, we'd like to put you on TV and let you tell us why you think this was or wasn't a foul or was or, or wasn't, uh, um, you know, a, a catch. Because um, the dude on uh, Mike Carey's is just as bad, you know. He, he got let go. But he got fired. Anyway, I don't mean to go on a rant about this, but I do think that we can do a lot more than what we're doing. And I don't see any reason why a guy who's sitting at the scorer's table, who is a trained official, who can see angles and can, can tell very quickly that Aaron's and Verichow flopped all over the place, can't just say, hey, man, he flopped, let's roll. Like, so much time would be saved. It would just be, be crazy. Um, I expected yeah, that to— only one rule change I want, Brad. I'm going to drop it right here at the end so you can't respond to it. Okay. I'm all for the— 
if you miss a three-pointer, you lose a point rule. Wait, what? If you shoot a three and miss it, you lose a point. Oh, my God. Okay, that makes my life so horrible because that's a lot of stat keeping to keep. Oh, it's, it is. I would be happy if they added a four-point shot, honestly. I'm like, you know. Well, I'm sure that'll happen eventually. Make, make two-point possessions. I mean, excuse, excuse me, two-possession games even more fun. Um, take away a point. What is this, like cornhole? Um Anyway, all right. I'm well, just, it's, I, my, it's my I, old man purist kicking in. <laughs> I expect. Where's, yeah. where's the mid range game, man? Is it dead? The old man purist wants to add a rule to basketball <laughs> that has not been there before. Well, Think you about won't that let for me a wipe the three point line. That, yeah, that's true. Um, I expected that'd be like a thirty minute podcast. We made it like forty eight, so I'm I'm pleasantly impressed. Um, good. Uh, that was a good off season discussion um, for, for the middle do. of June. Anyway, uh, appreciate everybody out there for giving us a listen. Want to thank Dave for being on the show. Thanks Ferber for doing. The uh, hey something came up uh, routine. Enjoy Luke Bryan. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be so pissed at you. Uh, anyway, thanks everybody for out there for giving us a listen. For David Spence, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.